0: Well, hello, friends. My name is Adam, and I love being the senior pastor at First United Methodist Church. Hello to everybody at Westside and to the folks who are going to experience this message online or on our podcast. Uh, the seven weeks leading up to Easter are a special season uh, throughout Christian history in the life of the church. It's a season called Lent, or Lent, it's kind of the end of the eh, Lent. And that is simply a period of preparation of prayer and repentance in anticipation of celebrating Easter when we mark the resurrection of Jesus. And so for these seven weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to be studying the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. The Gospel of John is written as a biography of Jesus. Meant to show us who Jesus was and why he came. And these seven statements of Jesus where he says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. These kind of punctuate the book and and they kind of frame up the entire gospel. So the phrase I am goes all the way back to the Old Testament when God said to Moses, I am Moses had said, "Well, who should I tell them sent me?" Uh, as, as he's being, uh, Moses is being sent by God to speak before Pharaoh. We had a sermon about that in January. If you missed that one, but when when Moses says, "Well, who should I tell them sent me?" God says to Moses, "Tell them I am sent you." And that's kind of a confusing statement for Moses. But when Jesus says, "I am," he is calling back to that famous Old Testament episode. And he's equating himself with God. And through these I Am statements, we gain amazing insight into the mission of Jesus. And when Jesus tells us who he is, we learn more about who we are. And so today, I hope we'll see that we are called to depend on God. A 2014 study found that each day, 49% of Americans eat a sandwich. That's a lot of bread being consumed. Now, some of y'all might be the unwinch people at Jimmy John's, that's cool. This equates to, in the average year, an American will eat 122 pounds of bread annually. That's a lot of bread. That was a Pew Research Center survey. Whenever we're running low on bread, I know it's time for us to go to the grocery store. And whenever there's even like a thought that a forecast may have a possibility of snow, what do we all run to the grocery store to get? Got to get your bread, right? Bread has been a staple food in all of human history. Dating back to before biblical times, and the Bible actually talks about bread quite a bit. Bread is symbolic of what is essential for life. You got to eat, and bread is one of the most basic foods of all time. It fills your need of hunger. The staff at church knows if we're in a meeting around noon, you better make sure that I've eaten, because if not, if I'm hungry, I get a little grumpy. Probably not the only one, am I? Or, or uh, if our bodies don't, don't eat, we can, we can point to our physical hunger, right? Oh, man, my stomach's growling. I need to eat something. Or, or you may have a routine that you do for lunch or dinner, or you may plan your meals, or you may even have your favorite foods. Man, I'm really in the mood for some fill-in-the-blank, This is a type of need and a hunger we can easily identify when we're hungry, right? But there's another type of hunger that is harder to describe. It's harder to put your finger on. Some of us have experienced having our physical hunger met, but we still feel lacking. My guess is that many of us are at church because we are, you know, beyond the uh, physical hunger that you can fill with our hospitality at Westside or with our donuts or whatever, you're here because you're hungry spiritually. We're here to, to uh, be filled with uh, something that can satisfy a different type of need. And Jesus, in this passage from John, speaks to both of these types of hunger. And it's the spiritual hunger that Jesus came to fill. And this is what he addresses in John chapter 6. Now, it'll be helpful to know that right before this, Jesus has fed about 5,000 people through the miracle of multiplying the the loaves of bread and fish. Now, pulling that off is going to gain you a following. It's going to give you some notoriety. And so Jesus is attracting giant crowds, and and they're, they're looking for him wherever he goes, and to the point where he has to sometimes slip away in order just to function and get on to the next place. So Jesus has developed quite a following, and they're on the lookout for him. We're going to pick up in John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And they're not saying by this question, when did you come down from heaven? They mean very practically, how did we miss you getting away? Then Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. So Jesus describes these two types of hunger, physical and spiritual. And he's telling people, you've missed the point. You're looking for me because you know that if you hang out with me, you'll get your physical hunger meant. But I have come for much more than that. Jesus claims that on him, the father has set his seal. And I think this is an interesting phrase. I have a buddy who's an engineer and, and he told me once about how big of a deal it is for an engineer to not only receive their seal, but to put it on something that they've created. A professional seal is a legally binding document and you're responsible for the success of whatever you've put your seal on. You're attaching your name to it. When you put your seal on something, it means that you approve and that this thing represents you and your work and your approval. So Jesus shows up and claims the Father's seal of approval. Isn't that a cool image? And the people respond with this amazing picture by saying, oh yeah? Well, prove it. Let's read on. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? In other words, what instructions do you have for us? What rules have you been sent to deliver us? This is what the other prophets before Jesus had done. This is kind of what the people were conditioned uh, to, to expect. Moses among them. More on this in a little bit. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. What God wants you to do is to believe in me. And so here it comes. Their desire is revealed. So they said to him, what sign are you going to give us then? So that we may see it and believe you. What work are you performing? Skepticism ain't a new thing. And it sounds like this miracle of multiplying bread and fish didn't do enough for them. This is very much a what have you done for me lately thing. Oh yeah, well what else you got, Jesus? What else you got? The people want another sign and they appeal to their history in order to test Jesus. They are very skeptical. This is verse 30 through 33 of John 6. Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So what the people were referring to was a time in their history when they had left slavery in Egypt, but they hadn't yet come into the promised land. And in this period of being in the wilderness or the desert, you know, not a lot of food grows there. And so they were dependent on God to feed them. And the manner that God chose to feed them in was the substance that would appear in the mornings, almost like a mist or a dew, the Bible says. And it was called manna. And in Hebrew, it means, what is it? This, this mysterious substance that sustained the people in the desert. But this manna came from God with a lot of instructions, The manna would appear every morning, and the people were instructed to take only what they needed for that day. They were commanded to not gather any more up in order to kind of have a reserve. This was the work that God had assigned them. So with God's provision came some instructions. And so the people began to understand that provision from God was synonymous with obeying God's rules, the people began to learn that, well, God will provide as long as we continue to obey. The manna that came from God sustained their physical life as as a people, and eventually it was believed that these laws that came down from God sustained their spiritual life. So the bread came down from heaven, and that sustained their physical life, and the laws that the prophets delivered sustained their spiritual life. When Jesus says the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, he's trying to get these people to see past their physical hunger and look deeper to their spiritual hunger. And their response is telling, sir, give us this bread always. And so now we arrive. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. It's as if Jesus is saying, you keep looking for the sign. I am the sign. Just like God provided for uh, manna for your ancestors, God has now provided me. God has sent me. And what you need to do isn't look for more rules to follow. It's to believe in me. By saying, I am the bread of life, Jesus definitively declares his divine status. Because God first said, I am to Moses, and it was through Moses that this manna came down from heaven. And so Jesus is trying to say, I am the bread of life. I am who God has sent. That He is the bread of heaven. And this is what makes Jesus unique from all other prophets, not only uh, in, in Israel's history, but in human history. He goes on to tell the people His purpose explicitly. Verse 41, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. This didn't sit well with the crowd. They thought it was blasphemy. This, this, this was a major claim that Jesus had made and, and, and they were outraged. But Jesus doubles down on his declaration in verse 47 through 50. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. There it is again. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Whoever believes has eternal life. Jesus is the bread that doesn't just provide for physical hunger, but eternal life. What Jesus wanted from the people was to have faith in him. They couldn't think beyond their physical hunger. They couldn't think beyond what they could see and sense. They kept demanding a sign because they couldn't get past the need to live by what you can see. The bread that came down from heaven in the Old Testament, it was an exercise in faith. The temptation was to store it up just in case God didn't do it again the next day. We actually echo this faith every time we say the prayer Jesus taught us. When we say, give us this day our daily bread. We're asking God to give us what we need for that day, both physically and spiritually. This is a prayer that invites us to depend on God. But how often do we do the opposite? There's so much about life that we can't control. We can't control the weather, We can't control the stock market, can't control our kids. We can't control the decisions of higher ups in our company. We can't control the future of social security. We can't control when a crisis will strike out of nowhere. We can't control the health of our loved ones. We can't control when tragedy strikes. In spite of all that, we try and control what we can, right? We try and and really focus in on what we can provide for ourselves based on our own ability to gain or acquire or earn. We live by what we can see and that keeps things in our control. We can make our own way, we think, if we work hard and if we believe that what we have is based on our own effort instead of God's provision. We get into this trap that as if, you know, we've kind of done this ourselves. But even your own ability to live and to be able to work is dependent on God, we just don't think of it that way. My daughter Betsy will be three in May, and she is getting to the age where let's just say she can make her preferences known, (laughs) right? Now our older brother might be playing with something and she'll come over and snatch it out of his hands and she'll yell, that's, hey, that's mine. We all know what that sounds like. See, my kid has confused provision with possession. She thinks this thing is hers, as if she possesses it, as if she's earned it. What, did she go out and uh, mow a lawn and get 20 bucks to buy this toy? No, it was given to her. It was provided. So she's got it mixed up. She doesn't know any better now at the age of two, almost three, but every single thing she has in life has been provided for her. And that's an important lesson for me to remember at age 35. 35. Everything we have comes from God. We are truly dependent on God for everything we need, both physical and spiritual, in this life and the next. And the mistake that Jesus skeptics made is they thought that they could earn their way into eternal life. What work of God do you have for us? They asked. And when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he's claiming that our status with God does not depend on what we have done for God, but on what God has done for us by sending Jesus, the bread from heaven, which can satisfy all hunger, that if you possess this bread, you will never hunger or thirst again, not because of what you have done, but by believing in what God is doing for you through Jesus, Friends, we are called to depend on God, to believe in Jesus, in his life and death and resurrection. We're called to live by faith and not by sight. I have a buddy who is making a great living. He has a beautiful family, a great job. Life is going great. And then he lost his job. Sometimes it's only when you lose something that you realize how much of your identity was wrapped up in doing it. When things were going great, it's also easy to think that you have everything under your control and that you're making your own way. And so it was in this unknown of unemployment that his faith was challenged. Where was God in this? What did I do to deserve this? This isn't how I would have scripted things at all. For much longer than he was comfortable with, he waited. That's a lonely place, friends. But in the meantime, he continued to worship, he continued to pray, and ain't it funny how our prayer takes an uptick when things are going bad. And he continued to trust that he wouldn't remain in this position and that God would provide. And so he took every opportunity he could to do interviews and, 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 and to pursue these, these potential positions, many of which were far beneath his qualifications. And don't you know it stung even more when even those didn't work? That was tough too. It was through this painful process that his faith was strengthened. When his value didn't come from what he did for a living and he realized that even success can't be counted on because it can vanish so quickly. Even as his earning power had diminished, his faith grew. He shared with me that you don't have to be, or excuse me, He shared with me that you have to be intentional about developing your faith. It doesn't happen by accident. And he used that period of time as a gut check. What do I really believe? Where am I really placing my faith? Is it wrapped up in my own provision and and what I have been doing for a living? Or am I putting my faith in things that I can't see and I can't control Am I putting my faith and my belief in Jesus Christ and his will for my life? Friends, I don't know what you came in here struggling with, but I know that God does. It's my hope that when we worship, that in that spiritual sense, God would provide that which we came in seeking, that God would satisfy that hunger spiritually for us. Do you believe that God can provide you with the strength to keep going if strength is what you lack today? Are you willing to believe that maybe God will provide what you are lacking but in a way that you may not expect? For others of us, life is going pretty good. So what happens if if God begins to call you to something else, something more? Are you gonna stick with what's comfortable, with what you've seen work? Or will you make a space that only God can fill? Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in whom he has sent. Friends, the bread of life can be ours. What was it that Jesus told his disciples in their last meal together? This is my body which is broken for you. When he took a loaf of bread and gave that to his disciples as a sign To confirm that He is the bread of life, not to satisfy a physical hunger, but that when we believe in Him, spiritually, we never have to worry about being hungry or thirsting again when our faith depends on Him. Not on what we have done or what we have earned, not on how moral we have, uh, not the moral standing we have obtained. but on the bread of life. This bread can be ours if we put our faith in Jesus and depend on him. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, you know all the things that we lack and and desire for. You know all the ways in which we try and control how things go and, and, and all the ways we work to be in charge of our own life. God, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of all the things we can't control, help us release our grip on what we want and what's best for us. Help us to release the skepticism that tells us we should live only by what we can see. And help us to put our faith in you, not in temporal things, not in things that can vanish very quickly, But in you, the bread from heaven the only thing that lasts for eternity help us to be people that that don't walk around thinking we've earned everything we've got that that don't consider ourselves in some club that don't consider ourselves uh, uh, born on third base and thinking we hit a triple but that we would be people who utterly depend on you not just uh, for what we need physically day to day but what we need for eternity, salvation in your name alone. Thank you for this community where we can be both challenged and encouraged by the reading of your word. As we experience this season leading up to Easter, help us learn who we are as we study who you've said you are. God, we ask all this in your precious son's name who told us that he is the bread of life and everybody said, amen.